I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say welcome back, to the Indie Football Podcast World Cup Daily Edition. And England are in the World Cup final. Uh, in an alternative universe, I'm afraid. Uh, defeat to Croatia means that England miss out on uh, the, the biggest stage in probably world sport. Uh, a 2-1 defeat after extra time, thanks to a Mario Mandzukic winner, uh, unfortunately condemns England to the third-place playoff, which is quite possibly the worst and most pointless event on the planet. And it certainly is going to feel like that on Saturday. Isn't it the man to my left, Jack Austin? Yeah, I mean, it's the game that nobody wants to be playing in. Um, but I think uh, it's not its not going to feel like it now. But once you look back on tonight, it's a time for Englishmen and women up and down the country to feel very proud of what's happened, considering before this tournament, they hadn't won a World Cup knockout game since 2010. Uh, oh, 2006, rather. Um, so, yes, right now it hurts and its they don't want to be playing on Sunday, Saturday. But... It is a good tournament overall, uh, and it is. And, and and we, I remember we wrote for the for the back page when this squad was announced that they go in hope and not expectation, and that's pretty much kind of how it turned out. But they they generated hope, and, and they have in turn for the future generated expectations, and they will be judged on those expectations in the future as things go on. That's kind of what my piece is about, uh, which is obviously already on the website, independent uk slash football. Um, we've had a load of good stuff on there from Miguel and Johnny and Jack, who we'll talk to shortly actually from, where are they, the Luzhniki Stadium. We're back in London uh, on the independent sports desk where uh, things were predictably quite hectic tonight. Uh, but uh, there is much to get through uh, trying to analyse that, that defeat it's um, I think I think the guys there when we talk to them will be more jacked up on, on the emotion of the, of the evening and everything that, that goes with it um, but roughly England commanded this game I think for about 60 to 70 no probably less than that you know the first half of the first game uh, the first half of the first game the first half of 90 minutes I should say it feels like a different game and then what happened after half time was a gradual relinquishing of that control. Uh, they didn't create virtually any chances um, by extra time. Harry Kane was absolutely cooked and playing in midfield exactly as he was against Colombia. Um, but this time they're against a team that you can't play against with ten men. And when Kieran Trippier goes off with injury, with nine men. Um, and considering the other players that weren't fit. Really, England by the end were, were incredibly shorthanded against a team that have played what like fifteen hours of football in the last week. It feels like. Yeah, I think that's what's going to hurt hit the most for England is the fact that it was there for the taking. I think there's a lot of fans that would have preferred to have lost three 0 convincingly because there was that opportunity. It was there. The final was there for them. They had they were one 0 up after five minutes, um, but fatigue set in and all the talk and the build up 
before the game was that Croatia playing, like you said, two two batches of 120 minutes plus the emotional drain of penalty shootouts, that they'd be the ones who were struggling. But it was actually England who, by the end of it, were walking wounded, only seven or eight men still playing like they were at the start of the game. And I think that's what's going to make it most difficult to digest. The good thing about the digestion this time, I guess, though, is that there is no need, there is no root and branch review. There is no huge post-mortem needed for this campaign. For the first time in in as long as I can remember, and it is probably in, an, in a generation, a full generation, it, this is a lesson to be learned to take on to the next campaign rather than we need to dig down, find the lessons and start again from scratch, which is kind of so often the problem. You know, it's been a campaign that has brought non-football fans back into the fold it's brought lapsed international fans back into the fold um and for for people who've always been big England fans it's brought them a team that they were happier than ever to cheer for it's brought incredible scenes this summer up and down the country you know I mean there, there wasn't a dry person in Hyde Park at the five past seven uh they're all sober and very wet but that you know there wasn't a dry person there and it's because this summer has turned into you know a wild summer off the field where it felt like anything could happen and in the end there was there were glimpses of the old England as they lost control to world-class midfielders which has been kind of it feels like the problem with English football over the last 16 to 20 years when you go up against these big teams um but the pieces are there to mount a, a challenge for Euro 2020 and and the ultimate target, I guess, which World Cup 22, which before the tournament, Gary Lineker said, really, we should write this one off. He used the words, we should write this off because that should be the target. Yeah, I think if you look at the team, all the building blocks are there. Uh, the starting at 11, I wouldn't say there are too many weaknesses there uh, and all of them will be there in four years' time. I think now for England, what they need to do is to build on those coming off the bench um, like we saw today when Jordan Henson came off, there was no one to really fill that midfield. I think that is probably the weakest part of the squad. But in four years' time, who's to say Ruben Loftus-Cheek isn't that player? Um, but yeah, going back to what you said uh, about what the feeling they've done to the world, to the country this summer, it's I think uh, Russell Brand put it best on his uh, preview to this game where he said, after it's all over, just remember the love that every English man, woman, child had for one another that they usually they just walk past on the street without blinking an eyelid at. And I think that sort of hope is going to keep this country behind the team for quite a long time. I think we'll have another Russell Brand column tomorrow, um, as ever, check those out. Um, I mean, it's done so well that, that Jack, uh, on the last time he came on the podcast, was Welsh, but he's now English again. Um, and, and as well as Russell Brand's column, we're going to have loads of great stuff in the morning. Uh, Jack Pitbrook asking... Asking some questions, uh, I think uh, he'll be a little bit more analytical going going forward. He spent a lot of time with the England camp. Got a piece on Nikola Kalinic, the one Croat on the planet who probably won't be happy to see them in the World Cup final after he got expelled from the squad in the group stage and loads of other stuff. Uh, but for now, we'll just chuck it over to the guys at Lizhniki uh, and you can hear from them and then we'll be back for the end. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, and welcome. Or should I say welcome back to the Luzhniki Stadium, where it's 2.30 in the morning and... There's not many journalists here as we dissect... It's those persistent legends who put it in right till the end, like the Croatian national team. Well, hey, <laughs> it's kicking Sorry. off already. Um, you, you know, if you're listening to this, you'll know what's just happened. Uh, it's kind of quite a difficult night to sum up. Yeah. How do you sum it up, Miguel? I, I actually, I was, of all the games I've done in the tournament, I, it was actually the, the one I found hardest to write for. Because it's difficult to criticise England too much. Because it was just one of those. It's a World Cup semi-final, so it's a fixture that means anything more than football. And both teams kind of pushed themselves to the limit for it. Maybe just Croatia had that little bit more. Um, I mean, a ne- one negative slant you could have is that it's ultimately bar, bar the difference in path. It's still the same old thing that England ultimately lost to the first properly good side they played, as has been the case for the last two decades. Well, I think that's a little bit unfair because I think. Southgate was in previous tournaments say there could have been a calamity against Tunisia or they could have gone out to Colombia so I give them credit still I suppose you, you could argue that uh, this is Jonathan Liu by the way uh, you could argue that they lost the, they lost to both of the two good sides they played I, 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 don't, I don't consider that, that, that we don't we don't yeah. consider that well you know I, um, I don't know I don't know how much of this is tiredness or, or, or whatever we're, we're all pretty weary um you know, nothing good ever lasts, right? Nothing good ever lasts. And there was a, a lovely sort of few weeks where everybody thought just, you know, there was a little possibility that, that, that England might might be really, really good at football. And it turned out they were actually quite good at football. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I suppose you, you, could, you can dream a little bit big and, you know, well, can they win the World Cup? Can they, can they, can they get the final? I know it, it ends here. Nothing good ever lasts. England are out of the World Cup. The housing market's still fucked. Brexit's still a mess. And Donald Trump's coming to Britain next week. Um, all right. <laughs> That's one perspective. <laughs> I think I'm kind of... I think I'd probably be slightly more positive than Miguel in his analysis in the sense that, yeah, you, England did lose to the first good team they played, but it wasn't inevitable they were going to lose, no, no. which is often the case in these games. And the fact is that England, I thought England were brilliant for the first half, and if they, you know, they had chances to go 2 we've heard this one before, they had chances to go 2 up, and if they'd taken one of them, then maybe they would have been able to withhold the kind of steady Croatian pressure in the second half. But I think when this, at the start of the second half, I felt like it was somehow slightly different. Croatia was just a bit better. England were tired. And, you know, in a midfield battle where it, you only brought legs, when those legs run out, you're fucked, basically. Um, yeah, Southgate made the point after... Because um, we, were all, we were all saying that Croatia, look, they, they played two 120-minute games. They're going to be tired. Uh, and it was England, in fact, that, that began to look really leggy, actually, quite early in the second half. And I, and I, I think... What Southgate said was that um, 
the difference in, in that is really just it's something to do with, with experience. When you're an older professional, you sort of, you, you learn to, to kind of husband your, your physical resources. You don't, you don't really lose stamina when you, when you get older. You lose sharpness, yeah. a, little bit, a, little, a little bit of pace and zip. And England didn't really have, um, didn't really have the ability to, to sort of to harness their, their, their physical capabilities as well as they could. I think that they blew themselves out, basically. Whether they blew themselves out earlier in the tournament and this was kind of just the, the, you know, the residual you know, <laughs> blowback of that, we, we don't know. But they, they, did, they, they, did look, you know, they did look as though they had basically given everything they had. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely my imp- impression of it as well. Um, and kind of once Croatia scored, England... I mean, I know Stones had that header cleared off the line. And, it, you know, if that had gone in, it yeah. would be a very different evening. But it, I thought, you know, the, particularly the last 10, 15 minutes of normal time was like extra t- first half of extra time in the Columbia game. Like, England were nowhere, and Croatia looked like scoring every time they went forward. I actually think England were very lucky to make it through to extra time. Um, how, would you, how would you assess the England campaign as a whole, now that it's all done and... W- we're kind of in the same position we were in 1990 or 1996. Um, it's been a sparkling success, really. I, th- I mean, everybody was saying the quarterfinals would be it would be a decent performance. I thought that I thought even the quarterfinals would be slightly above par, given England's perennial tournament malaise. That getting through a knockout game would would be a, a huge, huge step. The fact that they got through two knockout games and, and and then lost to an opponent that they really should have beaten means it's kind of a it's sort of a B plus campaign. Uh, it, it, you know, at times it felt like it could be it could be a lot more than that. But yeah, I, yeah. it is in the context of basically England having for a, for a nation their size disproportionately shambolic campaigns for the past decade basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, mean, that, I suppose, and, that was, and to be fair to Sergei, that was a challenge to get out of that cycle, and yeah. he has done that. That's that's what I was thinking earlier. It's like this has been the campaign in which we've realised that maybe there's nothing wrong with us mm. like it's, not, it's not to say that we're the best and who knows whether we'll win anything but so many England campaigns particularly, 20, I mean 2016 is the best one like end with this like what on earth is wrong with us, why are we so yeah. why are we so broken that we can't do this that the other countries can do and it turns out we can do it yeah. like we're, on, well, on, sorry. on the flip side yeah, I mean England will never again, not for years and years go into a tournament with expectations this low yeah, that's true. What they've done here is, has raised the bar. By the time you get to the Euros in two years' time, or, or Qatar in four years' time, and with the, mm. the, the hype of this, this new generation of under-17s and under-19s yeah. coming through, the, the pressure will be back on. Semi-finals will, will, will be seen as you know, uh, you know, a benchmark now. Yeah, but, but, but two things. First of all, I think Seke was right. One of the key things, like, you know, 2016 summed this up, I think there was a genuine issue with English players that... When it, when, and because of the weight of the past decade because of everything they did feel a massive pressure that they couldn't cope with when things were going wrong for England and so okay it's going kind to of start to change that secondly I think I've said to the lads before I, I, my theory is basically this is like England's Germany 2006 campaign it's, it's, it's a good start I've got some it's basically a, it's a foundation for what's going to come next without, but without some of the key blocks in place because I mean we, as you just mentioned there the there's been so much progress made in kind of youth production in England, as evidenced by the two underage trophies. So, I think we will see a German style or a Spanish style. Three underage trophies. Don't forget the European under 19 Of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but but like so Germany, I suppose they they've had this de- this decade where they've always got the semi-finals until this tournament, and it started in 2006 again. But that that 2006 side didn't actually have too many players that came through that. 
but they but they kept enough players remained from that 2006 like Lamb like Schweinsteiger to kind of have keep a bit of a culture there those players made the jump from really sort of promising mm. Youth, youth players to actual world class proven performance. So that's well, that's what you want to see now. What 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 are you know Deli Ali and, and Raheem Sterling and John Stones and, and Harry Kane and you might even chuck Pickford in there. What are they going to be like in two to four years time? Are they going to get the game time? Are they are they, are they going to get the the development and the coaching that's going to lift them to that next level? That's the only way England are ever going to win anything. Who would you pick out as England's like best and worst performance over the campaign? I thought I think Stones, John Stones has been. Like outstanding, this whole tournament. Yeah, which is why it's quite cruel that he was kind of partly a fault for the goal. Yeah, I, I guess you can't really look past Trippier, yeah. uh, especially if you take into account <laughs> expectations and and performance. The gulf between what we thought he was capable of, especially when he was like basically Tottenham's second choice right yeah. back. He, he was bought as a, like an understudy for for Carl Walker. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think like Stones. Actually, no, I'd say maybe even ahead of Stones, Maguire. Trippier, Pickford should definitely be the team of the tournament. Would you have Kane in there? No, Kane. We, we, we were discussing this earlier. With I was discussing with with Jack. Is has Kane had the worst tournament of any Golden Boot winner in history? It's possible. But Alex Alenko, yeah. who scored five in a meaningless game and went out and yeah. uh, went out of the group stage. There's a great piece in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what, has, what, what was he got? Okay, he got the first goal was momentous. But <laughs> this is really hard to say. But not, not many of Kane's goals are weren't penalties. In fact, there was only three of them. Where, where, the, one off his, the one off his heel yeah. against Panama. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like, it feels really hard. But then he kind of did nothing in the quarters. Quarter, and tonight I thought he was really poor. He looked, uh, I mean, I've, I've heard that Kane fancies himself as much as number 10 as a 9. I think tonight disproved that notion a bit. Although well, he does have to play more in that role for this yeah. England team because Sterling does all the running behind. And so Kane is always slightly further away from goal than he is for Tottenham, lined up between a slider pass yeah. through or, sh- or shoot. But. I don't know. It's just, it's not really coming off. He takes a lot. Of, I notice he takes a lot of shots from outside the box more so than he does at Spurs. Yeah, right. Because it turns he plays further. He plays closer yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. There was a moment in extra time. This actually speaks to what Johnny was talking about earlier, where it's kind of an extra time. It would have been in the when England were attacking down in front of us, and Kane and Modric were like running for fifty-fifty. They ran into each other. Like Kane's twice Modric's size. Yeah. And Modric came away with the ball, and it was—it really showed up how kind of physically exhausted Kane is. Yeah, like he's not—he did, he did physically decline over over the course of the tournament. We saw we saw how sharp he was in those first two games, and even against even against Sweden and and um, and, and Colombia towards the end, it, it, he was beginning to look a bit leggy. So I don't think we could judge Kane on these, you know, Kane's top level on, on his last two or three games. But I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge disappointment that he, that he didn't kick on. He could have had like eight or nine goals mm. in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, and I, want, I think the kind of if there's any issue to address going forward, it's probably the midfield because that was really where he lost the game today. Even though you know you can point at mistakes that happened in the box, but the issue was that in the first half they managed to basically run Portugal off, sorry, run Croatia off the pitch. In the second half, Croatia were just too clever for them. Do you think it might it will take kind of maybe different personnel or a different approach in midfield over the next two years and beyond for England to to, to really win this kind of game? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of. Um when when Gandhi landed at Heathrow in like the the forties and, and sort of a reporter all the microphones gather around him and, and ask him, Well Mr Gandhi, what what do you think of, of Western democracy Western civilization? And Gandhi goes, I think it would be a good idea. 
It's like, what, what do you think of England's midfield? I think it'd be a good idea for them to have one. <laughs> I, th- I think it would be a good yeah. idea for, for, <laughs> for England to start producing. Well, this is why I feel a certain sympathy for Soko because I think he very obviously and very evidently tried to get around the problem of midfield, but it, it just showed that he, there's, only, there's still only so far he can take it. And also, I think Southgate got unlucky with individuals. So remember, the game which is now held up as being the Harry Maguire debut game was also the Harry Winks debut game and Winks was really good in that game I think it was Lithuania away in October last year but then Winks missed basically the whole season with an ankle injury and he's one of England's few midfielders who can keep the ball in the middle of the pitch Southgate loves Lallana Lallana wasn't fit enough for the 23 and Southgate was really upset by that so that's kind of you know Wilshire has had his own well publicised problems uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, I mean, isn't really a possession player, but he got injured as well. And so all of a sudden, Southgate's left with the midfield of basically one kind of run around, like you know, basically three players who can only really play at 100 miles an hour and no one to put their foot on the ball. Like, just to temporarily come away from all the qualifications and the positives about England, have you noticed that there's seems to be a lot of spike from the Croatian players about about this game and um, I still can't pronounce his name properly right back I keep saying it wrong uh, Versalico yeah that's had a right go at England yeah can you read out the uh, quotes yes I can Hang so on these me. were given the, these were reported by a friend of ours who works for Reuters who uh, they've been picked up on Croatian television yeah Simon Evans hang on it's just slowly the wife is not great here tonight uh, the all-round perception was this is a new-look England who have changed their ways of punting long, long balls upfield. But when we pressed them, it turned out they haven't. And, and it, it's, it's true. I mean, the the, the um, Croatian coach Dalic said, uh, I mean, not not in quite scathing terms, but essentially we we, we pressed them, we pressed Stones and Maguire yeah. and Walker, and and they just kept pumping it long. And I think what we saw was the sort of reductio absurdum of of this this whole bypassing the midfield by by just by just playing straight through it that, that strategy that when when pressed they didn't have a midfield to play through yeah. and uh, Henderson who I think has had a pretty good tournament he couldn't do it on his own and Lingard and Ali were, were in there as much for their kind of defensive capabilities as as they were for for sort of moving the ball through so um that that was a real imbalance and and Tonight, I think exposed it more harshly than, than anybody else has done so far. Yeah, but the other side of actually, I was just going to comment after the, those comments, this rather ungracious comments to England. But then I was into the mix on there, and this seems to become a little bit of a theme. Chaluk <laughs> was asked to stop specifically for the English press, and he responded, "It's not coming home," and then walked on laughing. Do you think that the issue there is that? people is that Chorluka will have seen all the It's Coming Home stuff from the UK and not realise that it's kind of a joke and they thought it was the kind of like authentic comp- I mean, authentic confidence it was, a bit of, no, it was a bit of banter from him as well it could be okay be but I can see why if I can see why if you didn't think it was a joke you might be offended by it or you think it was arrogance no, no the one thing I, I think it started as a joke and for a lot of people I, I, I still wonder how much it went beyond irony if you know what I mean I, I, I think there, there was it veered into something else. For I don't think it did. I think you're wrong. I think that for um, for most people, it was like a fun joke mm. and not like a prediction. I don't think it was ever offered as a prediction. I and I, I think you're, I think you are like re- only with bad faith could you interpret it as such. How, how how many millions and millions of times do you have to repeat a joke that is a prediction before it becomes an actual prediction? That, that, I mean, that, that's my. I, mean, I kind of agree with you. I think it's it's basically funny, and that, that that's why it took off. But it gathered such weight that 
people, I think, almost started believing it. Well, on the, on the other side of it, it's like, it's like I suppose, because we're in the social media age as well, that memes become kind of quite tiresome quite quickly. Mm. And maybe it's because I'm not English, but then I was kind of like, oh, fuck, I, I was at the point, I'm worried, fucking bullshit. Right, but just because you, you don't find the joke funny doesn't mean it's not a joke. I know, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, but I'll, although... But then my, my, my sense was it wasn't a joke for everyone. Well, I mean, M- Miguel, as, as, a, as a, a non-Englishman, mm. Miguel is about as English as they come. And so if Miguel isn't finding that funny, then you, you can only imagine what, what you know, the Croatian dressing room is thinking. Like, they think it's coming home. They're already looking forward to it. They're talking about winning the World Cup. And, and I can see how that would motivate them, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's the, equivalent, it's the modern equivalent of the... Um uh, team talk posted up on the wall, like the newspaper article pinned up on the dressing room wall. Yeah. The memes pinned up on the dressing room wall. The memes that drove Croatia to uh, to knock England out in the semi final. How memes and uh, a, a, a diet of pointless long balls got took uh, took Croatia to the World Cup final. That's the inside piece we want to read. Okay, um, th- should, we, should we give some praise to Croatia? Yeah. Um, re- <laughs> So what? Uh, what? <laughs> Sorry, this is the uh, England podcast. Uh, no, yeah, I thought they were really good. Um, I mean, first half I thought they were terrible. Uh, they were compl- I thought they were shambles and all over the yeah. place. But second half, when they got control of the game, like England couldn't really live with them. I thought Perisic, Perisic looked like scoring basically every time he went forward. Uh, Rebic was really good. Fajalko was good. Mandzukic was really good. About 55 minutes, so, I mean, you think it happened earlier, but I, I, I was kind of looking and thinking, there's no way I get back into this game. These are spent. Particularly in the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way they can, and as you said, there's there's actually a period where Paris looked like he could win the game on his own. Yeah. England were lucky to make it through to extra time. Yeah, they were. Um, and then beyond that, like I suppose what they've done, whatever they've, what they've done in the game, smallest country population by far to reach the final since 1950, and and that, as well as that, they're the only team to have made a final mm. after having three games go to extra time. It's a huge achievement, and 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 against the backdrop of a of you know a footballing administration, which is basically Cold yeah, yeah c- crumbling before before our eyes. And and I got a I got a tweet from a Croatian this evening saying like you know I, I read your report from the game and, and it was really nice to see how how England felt that even in defeat they got their team back. I'm a Croatian. I've reached the World Cup final. Like, I don't feel like I have my team at all. Really? And yeah, That's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, you'd, you you wouldn't have been able to get that in 140 characters before. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, the the fact that Croatia, despite you know all the shenanigans that have been going on, uh, and huge kind of public discontent and you know uh, disenfranchisement almost with, with with the country's national game, that they still have managed to produce so many great players and, and and somehow I've got them all to, to, to face in the same direction for long enough I mean it, it's I, I think they'll get absolutely battered by France personally I, I, I think they have they've they've that, that was their Waterloo and don't don't spoil Friday's podcast yeah. <laughs> one thing I mean, we'll get into this more on, on Friday no doubt but there's actually weirdly because the game is notionally lesser or you know, actually that's a bit harsh not that it's easier but ultimately because the size and what Croatia have been through France would be really expected to win now but there's actually really there's massive pressure on France not to not to bottle two finals in a row. It would be very funny if they didn't oh, win. It'd be, it. I mean, yeah, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, better, I better not say more. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the good thing for England, though, as they, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure they're disappointed that they're not in the final, and they'll be asking themselves, you know, will we ever make a final? The good thing is that in football, <coughs> the rich teams always win in the end, yeah. in club and in international football. So we can take great pride from that as we uh, prepare for future campaigns I mean this is it basically the tournament maybe this is one for Monday's podcast 
but the tournament is probably going to be after all these shocks, all this, all this, this like 2002. The tournament's probably going to be won by one of these countries we talked about that have basically industrialised football talent, which is what France have done, and a few countries can do that because they don't have this, the population mass. Yeah. Cool. All right, it's like 3 a.m., so we're going to hang up. But thanks for listening, and um, we'll be doing another of these podcasts tomorrow, I think. Bye. Yeah, thank you guys in Moscow. Um, a sad night for England, I guess. But I've got to be honest, I don't really feel that bad about it. It was it was a, a wild ride. Um, it, it's been a great World Cup so far, and I'm sure it will continue to be. France versus Croatia is a final where I'd make France clear favourites, especially with the amount of football that Croatia have had to play. Um, but we'll probably preview that more thoroughly a bit a bit closer to the final um jack uh, any any just thoughts on, on croatia and their chances in the big game on sunday um i think well whilst we everyone in this country was saying it's coming home it's coming home blah, blah blah you've got to remember that for croatia this is a story for themselves they've never reached the world cup final before this is uncharted waters so they're going to really believe after t- winning two penalty shootouts and going to three extra times that their name's on that trophy and you wouldn't bet against them the way that the belief they've got the they, they just don't tire the way even Perisic was running up and down the wing you just thought he could keep going and keep going and for all France's talent individual talent I would not be surprised to see Croatia do them <laughs> Friend of the indie football podcast, Rory Smith, uh, wrote on Twitter about, I don't know, like 75 minutes that Modric's legs w- were gone. Uh, and, they, and they were. But he did more in the time when he was absolutely out, gone, just zero energy, than any of the England players in the same position could muster. And that might have been the difference in the end. You know, there's lots of small differences tonight. Uh, there's a Harry Kane chance really late on which we were just discussing on the desk, and, and a kind of a, a header came to him in stoppage time even from a free kick, I think, where the defender just jumped in front of him and, and he only realised the ball was coming late. It was a poor game from Kane, but he's probably still going to win the World Cup golden boot, which is quite um, an achievement in itself. And, you know, it, things are on, on the upward trajectory for him as a player. And they are for the rest of the England squad, and that's probably the note to leave this on. Uh, I guess we'll have a more thorough... Uh, breakdown of England to come on the podcast we'll certainly have it on the website so please as ever um, check in and and make sure you're reading all of that stuff Uh, Jack will be up in Rapino for the previews of the third place playoff I guess Um, and and a bit of post-mortem because there will be some before England do finally go home Um, Jack Austin's power rankings of the 23 players in the squad and how well they've played will be live first thing in the morning probably when you're listening to this Uh, Johnny Liu has obviously been just spinning magic so check out everything he's written and Miguel uh, can actually enjoy the World Cup final because England won't be in it so uh, he's uh, written a couple of of more even handed takes uh, about the three Lions who didn't quite roar uh, but until then, uh, thank you to the guys in Moscow for all the work uh, they've put in and will continue to put in over the weekend. Uh, thank you, Jack Austin. Thank you. And uh, thank you to, to all the staff who are on the desk tonight who have done a, a great job. And thank you for listening as ever. Uh, remember to rate and review, recommend us to your friends, and we will see you on the other side. Hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 